dreams are funny things. Sometimes they're pure fantasy, figments of our imagination brought to our conscious mind as we sleep. Sometimes dreams are how we talk about our goals and values, our passions and our promises. The most dangerous thing about having a dream is achieving it. For as soon as our dreams come true, they may begin to look small and ordinary. We can have big dreams, and as long as we have them, we're filled with energy and hope. Dreams drive us forward and keep our eyes on the horizon. Our human elections certainly involve dreams and ideals. In the aftermath of the election results from last Tuesday, there are millions of people throughout the country who are uncertain, scared, and hurting. And there are millions of people who would have been feeling the same things if the outcome of the election had been the opposite. Sadly, this election was never going to bring an end to the deep divisions in our country and the world of which we are now even more painfully aware. The chapters of 3rd Isaiah, including today's text, reflect a time when the people of Judah are equally divided and clearly cynical about their prospects for the future. There's a hardship in the land all around them. Their lives are difficult. Their resentment of other nations is strong because of their experience of exile, and the people are pursuing new, often selfish ways of poor comfort. So the prophet's words contain warnings and admonitions to stop taking advantage of people, to practice justice, and to pursue peace for the sake of everyone, including other nations. The promises of God are given to Israel through a word of both judgment and salvation. Yet the very promise of God, who is doing and will continue to do a new thing that keeps hope alive, through the picture of the prophet that the prophet draws, the people of God are called back to trust and to hope in the God who restored them to the land in the first place. But these words are equally an invitation to the people to get involved and to act. The prophet's vision is concrete because it was as much a vision about the possibilities of the present as it is about the hopes of the future. The reign of peaceful cohabitation on the holy mountain of God is promised to all who hear and heed God's will and word. Isaiah answers the despair of the people with God's dream. God's dream of new ways of being together. The people cry out in desperation and God offers the promise of salvation where in our dreams we would settle for so little, a few adjustments in the economy or our personal lives, 
God replies with so much more. As if to say, stretch your imagination. I am God. Look to me. I am the future. Think about the capacities of God. In our mystery-stripped world, we tend to focus on our human capacities, or lack thereof. Isaiah lifts our eyes and hearts to contemplate the capacities of God. God has the capacity to create. We know that. But Isaiah reminds us that God creates on an unimaginable scale. New heavens and a new earth. In other words, there's nothing in all of creation or in all that we imagine beyond creation that is beyond the capacity of God to love and to change. When we're all mired in regret or loss or sin, we feel ground down by oppression and the pain of living. What a message. Nothing is final. Everything is up for grabs in the mystery of the creative capacity of God. At the heart of our faith is the creator who emerges even in the bleakest hour of human history to create anew and who invites us to be part of that process of recreating. Not only will there be new creation, but the formal things will also not be remembered or come to mind. The prophet sounds like one of those old-timey preachers when he says, It seems to me I can see, I can see a community where young people aren't cut down in the prime of life, where a mother won't have to fear that her baby will die of malnutrition or some other correctable disease. I see a society in which people's labor actually comes to fruition, where workers aren't discarded like trash at a moment's notice. It seems that I can see neighborhoods, not with empty houses and boarded windows, but homes filled with the sounds of children. So far, what the prophet sees is not all that exceptional. It was even overtly or openly part of the political platforms in the recent election. Our children should not die. Our workers shouldn't be laid off. Our homes shouldn't be foreclosed. But Isaiah goes on to paint a larger picture, one that lies beyond politics or history. That is, the wolf and the lamb will feed out of the same trough. Listen up, Israel and the nations. I can see miracles of peace. You don't have to crush your enemies in your personal or global interactions to get the new Jerusalem. Annihilation doesn't have to come before redemption. Winning doesn't constitute the sign of God's favor but rather reconciliation does. If anyone is in Christ, that is the new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new is come. 
there is nothing and no one that God cannot recreate and renew to be a blessing to all people. So, what is the word of the Lord to us today? As followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to faithfulness in how we treat others, even more than how we vote. We as people of faith must come to believe that the work of justice rests even more with each one of us moving forward. Ultimately, our faith and our responsibility do not belong to any political party, but to any government. Our calling is built upon Christ's love and justice. And this is what guides us as children of God and Christ's disciples. The justice we long for can work through our votes, certainly. But the reign of God does not ultimately depend on any given election. What depends on us is our own faithfulness in the days and weeks and years ahead. We are challenged by our faith in Jesus Christ to work toward a way of living that is different because we have glimpsed God's vision for our world. And even with little bits of faithfulness, we will see our world transformed to something closer to God's dream. We can't change the results of the election, but we can seek to be faithful. Faithful as we reach out in love to care about the least and the last and the lost. Faithful as we give one drink of cold water at a time. Faithful as we provide for the poor and face up to our roles in the systems that keep them that way. And faithful as we celebrate one moment when a person is humanized rather than objectivized. God empowers us to challenge the set order that maintains injustice. And God emboldens us to call out the evil that is hiding in plain sight in a country where some people feel they have been given permission to hate. We're called to live every day from the perspective of God's dream, to intentionally let it affect the way we spend our money and interact with strangers and friends. As Christ's followers, we are called to say no to the powers of fear, mistrust, hate, division, greed, and injustice which are emerging in our communities. These are the ways of the world without God. But we do not belong just to this world. We belong to the world where God is making things new and recreating us to respond. The book of Isaiah might be read as God saying, I have a dream. God dreams of a future in which righteousness and peace prevail among God's people and spread throughout the nations. God's dream is embodied in Jesus Christ, who was raised by the power of God and is alive in us and in the church right now. Jesus' radical way of including others 
his model of claiming power through nonviolent action, and his ministry of presence remind us of the ways that we are to remain engaged in this new creation. Not as a goal to be looked for off in the distance, but as one to be realized here and now. God's dream for our life together calls us to continue to love our neighbors as ourselves and to honor all people, regardless of their race, gender, sexual orientation, or nationality. It compels us to see each person in our community as a beloved child of God and to actively stand with those who are being persecuted. God's dream is not dead. The work we've done in welcoming the Al-Hazuri family from Syria and educating others about the process of refugee resettlement, the work of speaking out against gun violence, advocating for affordable housing, supporting people in transition, and supporting the people of Shikoho continues. But at the same time, we must listen and look for new opportunities that God is showing us, providing a safe and welcoming space for everyone, including and especially members of the LGBTQ community and others who fear for their well-being, supporting our families and teaching our children about tolerance and love, and stepping in to stand with those who feel scared vulnerable, overlooked, dismissed, or worse, hated because of who they are. To do these things is vital to the next chapters of our public witness and our personal lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. May God grant us the wisdom, the courage, and the strength to not just talk about it, but to do it. Amen. I'm exercising my right to change my mind about the hymn we will sing in response to God's word this morning. So I invite you to find hymn number 563 in the blue hymnal and stand and join me in singing the third verse of this powerful hymn. 